psalm, it speaks of God's wonderful works. You know, when God displays who he is and his wisdom and his power, those are wonderful works. And uh, they include many things, and among the things that are included in that are those movings of the Spirit uh, that we've occasionally referred to here even in this meeting. Uh, on the back table, there is a book called The Revival Journey. Many of the books are dealing with personal revival. This one's dealing with the larger works of the Spirit, uh, more in the corporate sense of revival, uh, moving from the filling of the Spirit on the individual level to the outpouring of the Spirit on that uh, uh, corporate level. The revival journey, there are phases of revival. When it comes to the big picture, they're discernible in the Word of God, and they are illustrated many times throughout uh, history. It starts when someone, sometimes someones, uh, get hungry and recognize, you know, there's got to be more. I don't know how many counts I've read where somebody realizes there must be more. That's a chapter in here. Because that's where it starts, where there's an awakening to the more. There's an awakening to need. And that uh, launches people on the revival journey. And then they begin to seek God's reviving presence. That's phase two. And the Bible makes it very clear. When you seek him, he will be found of you. He says, return unto me and I will return to you. Draw an eye to God and he will draw an eye to you. And all of these words repeated in different ways that uh, when you seek him, not it, not the sensational, but him, he will be found of you. So there's a whole chapter that just uh, deals with that truth. Then there's a chapter called God Has Come. When you read revival history, you find those words in many different scenarios, different continents, different centuries. But God has come. <laughs> and they're talking about what we referred to the other night when God manifests his presence. That omnipresence now made manifest so that people are aware, not physically, but spiritually, but just as real as if it were physical, where they are aware that God is present. And uh, sometimes that is dramatically uh, immediate. Other times it is that increasing sense of the presence of God over time, uh, but it is the moving of the Spirit in that way. That brings you to phase four, which I call brokenness. Uh, honesty. When you see God for who he is, you see sin for what it is. And that's what brings us to our knees. And uh, where we get honest and broken without making excuses. <laughs> I used to know what it was to confess and then blame everybody else for what I had to confess. <laughs> What a terrible thing. <laughs> but you know when you really realize, you know what, I can't blame the other person, can't blame the situation. Uh, that simply exposed what I'm capable of when I ignore Jesus. You see, that's getting honest. And so brokenness. But brokenness is the way into blessing, and that brings you to phase five, which is life again. Revival. What does it look like on the individual level? What does it look like on the corporate level? So this is primarily going into the corporate level, though by, of necessity we deal with both. There's a final chapter that deals with some of the related issues of revival, uh, like the dangers of revival. Do you know Satan hates revival? He tries to throw a wrench into it, throws a, throws a stream, uh, stirring people up in the flesh, or sometimes it's a satanic counterfeit stream. And so there can be dual streams. And the stream of the Spirit does not condone the negative stream, nor does the negative stream uh, negate the reality of the stream that's real. You need to know that, because sometimes revivals get messy. There's what God's doing, and there's what Satan's trying to do to either counterfeit or mess it up. And we need discernment. 
Uh, there's the widening circles of revival. Every big revival that we read about has had little revivals that don't get written about. <laughs> that lead up to the big revivals. That's just how it works. It is a fact of history. And so we go into some of those details in that final chapter. There is a book on the table called The Revived Life. This would be more the personal revival journey. Uh, this would be a thorough progression of truth on what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God and know it. By the way, the and know it is, is when you take it by faith. Can you be saved and know it? Yes, because Jesus said, when you believe on me, you have eternal life. How do you know? Because he said so. <laughs> and so it's literally taking him, the person, at his word, the foundation. And so the same is true when it comes to the filling of the Spirit. Christ lives in me, dot, 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 by faith. <laughs> so when we take that provision, then yes, he is imparting his life. Why? Because we feel it? No, because it says so. And uh, much more can be said about that. But we go into uh, the, the, the thorough progression of truth, starting again with a longing heart, uh, but then moving into the provision of the blood to cleanse, and then the spirit to enable, and then there's a chapter that articulates what we looked at last night on the throne seat uh, to deal with the enemy. Uh, then there's a chapter on accessing, uh, there's a chapter on the application to uh, the overcoming life, taking away of escape, and then the overflowing life, allowing the life of Jesus to impact those with the Holy Spirit, and going into every passage uh, uh, on that subject and drawing from that. There's another book on the table called Friendship with the Holy Spirit, the revival relationship. Uh, looking at this uh, life in the Spirit from the angle of the relationship with the Spirit of Jesus. There is a chapter in uh, here called The Holy Spirit is Our Spiritual Guide. How do you know the difference between your own strong desire and the Holy Spirit's leading? You ever faked yourself out? Oh, God's in this because I want it. <laughs> well, he may or may not be depending on where that's coming from. We're going to see that here in a moment in the passage we're about to get into. Uh, how about, how do you know the difference between the Holy Spirit and evil spirits? Counterfeit. Satan coming as an angel of light. Well, we have to learn the ways of the Spirit versus the ways of the enemy based on the sure word of God. So that chapter goes into some of those things. Well, tonight, John chapter 15. In your Bibles tonight, the Gospel of John and chapter 15. 15. Hard to believe that we are to the final night of this meeting. That is amazing. I appreciate the hungry hearts. Uh, uh, so many of you that have been here every service, others that have come every service that you could. Thank you for those that are listening in on live stream, even though you don't feel so good right now because you're sick. Uh, thank you uh, for uh, uh, taking that effort and tuning in. And I uh, just, I uh, appreciated the hungry hearts. It's been neat uh, as I've been uh, preaching. Uh, uh, the other night, uh, there was that uh, eruption of praise at a moment of truth where the Spirit of God stirred his heart. I felt I was in North Georgia <laughs> uh, where they, uh, they know how to shout hallelujah. <laughs> Man, this is California. This is pretty cool. And, uh, uh, but it shows that there's, there's a heart that's looking upward, and that, uh, that's, uh, that's a blessing because God's moving in hearts. And in the congregation, that was a corporate response. And there's been several moments like that that have just blessed my heart. I, I thank the Lord for it. And uh, so good conversations with you before and after. Uh, and uh, just uh, I sense that uh, God's working. Friends, that's, that's what we need, God. <laughs> and so when God's working, then uh, uh, that's a marvelous and wonderful thing. And so it's been a blessing. I have appreciated just every part uh, of uh, the meeting. Uh, Brother Hunter, thank you for the ministry of heart. And I uh, have been blessed uh, by your heart for the Lord. 
and your singing. And uh, tonight, uh, that uh, opening song, some of those words stirred my heart. Thank you for that. And uh, Pastor Nick, it's been a joy. And Sarah, thank you. What uh, special times of fellowship we've had this week. And uh, God has given you a pastor who is like the ones in the book of Acts who have a genuine desire to focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. It's very obvious. And uh, that's book of Acts. And I've also, in our conversations, uh, really sensed a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, as came out in what was given a few moments ago. All of that is marvelous. And God is working. And uh, that, uh, that, uh, that's always encouraging when you sense God. There are times when we trust God, though we don't sense but those moments where you do sense God, it does encourage you <laughs> uh, that uh, you're on the right path and God is working. So praise the Lord for that. And so good to see so many of you that I've known over the years and in others that are new. Good to meet you this week. Well, tonight, as we wrap this up, let's go to John 15. Two nights ago, we looked at Christ and you. Last night, we looked at you and Christ. All of that is a part of our provision uh, to, to life in the Spirit. Well, one of the great pictures of life in the Spirit is John 15. Of course, Jesus as the true vine. And uh, his... Uh, his uh, admonishment to us, his urging, his stirring us to abide in him and uh, for him to abide in us. But I want us to focus tonight on verse 7. We'll go back to verses 4 and 5 in a moment. I just realized that I did not send Brother Hunter the sermon uh, outline ahead of time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I must be getting old. Well, at any rate, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. But John 15, well, you just have to use your Bible tonight. <laughs> uh, John 15 and verse 7 is our text tonight. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I did think of it, but then it, I got distracted. All right. John 15 and verse 7. Jesus is speaking. And I love these words. If you remain or abide in me, and my words remain or abide in you. Ask whatever you want. And it will be done for you. Wow. If words have meaning and if language has integrity, this is powerful. He starts by saying, look, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, so there's an if clause, <laughs> then you come to the then, he doesn't use the word then, but he's implying it, ask, when that's the case, you can ask whatever you want. Wow, <laughs> that seems overwhelmingly comprehensive. What does it mean? Because then you have this amazing promise and it will be done for you. I want to speak tonight on abiding, asking, and answers. Let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to connect those truths in our hearts tonight in a faith-building way. Blessed Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're already speaking to us tonight. Lord, thank you for Fresno Church. Lord, thank you that you are the great shepherd of this church. Thank you for the under-shepherd, Pastor Nick. Thank you, Lord, for the others here on the staff, Brother Hunter and then the deacons and these dear people. Lord, we thank you that this is an expression of your body here in this place. Now, Lord, I pray that the truth tonight would be seen in connection to what's gone on before in this meeting. And now, Holy Spirit of the living God, 
open our eyes afresh and anew to abiding, to asking from that position and to answers that are literally from you where the Lord Jesus is glorified as the next verse says. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus and our position in you, Lord Jesus, at the throne. Protect us from Satan's attempt tonight. In your name, Lord, we claim our victory over the enemy. Breathe on us tonight, Lord. Touch us tonight. Lord, glorify your name. And Lord, nurture faith, not just for the moment, but Lord, for where we are in our journey with you in the days and weeks and even months to come. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Charlie Kittrell is now with the Lord. He pastored in Indianapolis, Indiana for over 40 years. I got to know him back in the 90s. I've told stories about him up here before in other meetings. Uh, but he had a wonderful, just a, a simple childlike faith in God. And yes, he did see remarkable answers to prayer. Little things, big things, many things. He also, uh, as a result, he saw people saved. And he said, uh, you know, one time he was getting ready to preach at a pastor's fellowship and the Lord burdened him uh, uh, to talk about the gospel and to talk about tracts and to talk about souls being saved. And he, he, he had seen really multitudes uh, uh, trust the Lord and he knew some of the brethren were critical of him, of him uh, saying, well, you know, you say, uh, you say this, but, uh, you know, where are all those people? So he said, Lord, before I get to that next pastor's fellowship, I want three people that you allowed me to point to you but they live on the other side of the city and whatever, and I haven't been able to, they're not in my church. He said, would you bring them across my path between now and a few weeks from now when I have to preach and give me at least three conversations where somebody remembers that we talked and they trusted Jesus and they're going on for you. He said, Lord, I want, I want three before that meeting. Guess what? God gave him three conversations. You'd be in a store over here, a restaurant over here. Hey, I remember you. And the person would testify, you led me to Jesus. And here's what's happening in my life. <laughs> so he was able to give those three testimonies. You know, I hear stories like that and I think, wow. <laughs> well, it's not wow in man, it's wow in God. Man's part is what we see in this verse, which is a unique picture of faith which is not a work but it is dependence upon the worker and often we may think well I've seen God do this but I'll never see God do this that's the very area where God wants to work in you I have learned over the years that the very things that I thought well you know I'll never see God use me in that area you know so uh, you know I've seen this over here praise the Lord for that but that well no that's the very thing where God's gonna because now you know it's gonna be of God and so maybe in the matter of prayer, you're thinking, well, you know, I'm glad for the Charlie Kittrell stories, but I'll never see the, you know, uh, answers to prayer like this. That's the very area where God wants to work in you. And so we have a beautiful verse in a beautiful context of this whole vine life, this whole uh, connected to Jesus life, this whole branch life, this whole abiding life, this whole fruitful life, all of that right here in this very passage. And we have this unique uh, uh, focal point in verse 7, if you remain or abide in me and my words remain or abide in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. I'll go ahead and read the next verse. My father is glorified by this. 
Then he goes on to say, because it's all connected, that you produce much fruit and prove to be or demonstrate to be my disciples. Now, what I want us to see tonight is that abiding affects asking in a way that receives answers. That's the simplicity of verse 7. So, what's involved? Well, obviously, we have three factors that are already noted in our title. Let's begin with the concept of abiding. In the text here, it says remain, because if you look up the word, that is uh, what you'll see. But it is one of those words that is what the uh, passage in Corinthians refers to as a spiritual word, where it talks about comparing spiritual concepts or things with spiritual words. In other words, there are some words in our New Testament that you can look at a Greek lexicon, you can go to classical Greek literature, and you can go to the time period of the New Testament, and you are not going to find the definition there that God puts in it here. See, usage determines definitions. And in the New Testament, sometimes God will take a word right out of culture, and he's going to attach a greater meaning to it. And we know that because that's what he does right in the text. We'll see that here tonight. And that's what we have with this word abiding. Now, before we get to that, I want us to see that there are two directions of abiding. You notice what he says here uh, in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So let's talk about these two directions. First of all, there's you and I abiding in Jesus Christ. In verse 4, he says, abide in me, and I in you. So the first direction is abiding in Jesus. Now, I remember when I was in college, I think it was actually in grad school, I, uh, God began to stir me about the matter of leading people to Christ. Now, I, you know, I'm a preacher's kid. I was involved in soul winning and witnessing because I had to be. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, not because Dad made me, but I just felt the pressure, and so, you know, I went along with it. Uh, but quite frankly, it was sheer <laughs> duty <laughs> demands it and drudgery and whatever. But I'm <laughs> uh, just being honest with you. But in, uh, in, uh, in grad school, God stirred me. I was at uh, a meeting where there was a, a, a janitor who was also the bus director. And when that guy spoke... The fire in that man's heart by the Holy Spirit jumped right into my heart. I thank God for that man. He now pastors in Alabama. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, uh, I, I got stirred about that. And so I, I didn't know how to be effective or any of those things. And I remember reading John 15 in grad school. And I saw uh, these words go back to verses 4 and 5 uh, where Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains, who abides in me, and I in him produces much fruit. Well, that phrase caught my attention. Wow, look at this. He says, abide in me and I in you, and when you abide in me and I abide in you, that one will bear much fruit. I thought, wow, there's the much fruit. And then I thought, hmm. I wonder what it means to abide. <laughs> Quite frankly, I wondered that for years. Now, it doesn't have to take years. Well, that's what happened in my journey. Well, what does it mean to abide? Well, let's see in this passage, first of all, what it does not mean so that we can see what it means because all of it's really alluded to right here in the text. First of all, it is not flesh dependence. It is not self-effort. 
It's not grit your teeth, buddy. You just try hard, and if you fail, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and try again. That is not what abiding is. Years ago, I was in a meeting in a particular state, and prior to the service one night, a dear lady came running into the flesh-filled life and the necessity of a spirit-filled life that was already in motion, but I'd never connected any of that to this word abide until a friend of mine handed me a copy of a little book by James McConkie called The Threefold Secret of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he, uh, uh, in 1 John 3, opens up the word abide. Then later I saw that it's in John 6, as well as right in our text. This word is defined for us. Again, looking at verses 4 and 5. Remain or abide in me and I in you, just as or just like a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains, unless it abides on the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because, now here's your key phrase, you can do nothing without me, which implies with me you can do everything you ought to do. You see, without me means there's no faith. With me means there is faith. He just defined it. Abide or abiding is the picturesque word for the life of faith. For the life of dependence, just like you got saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Remain in the mode of dependence on Christ for everything. That's the point. That's how fruit can be born on the branch by the power of the vine himself. It's through God dependence. There it is. So that's how the Lord brought me to an understanding of this word abide. But what about the second part of this? Back to our text in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now we come to the second direction of abiding. And we already have noted, because we've already looked at verses 4 and 5, there are parallel wordings here. Uh, verse 4, instead of saying, my words abide in you, says, and I in you. Verse 5, the one who abides in me and I in him. So, the wording in those two verses is Christ abiding in us. Now, when God first opened up my understanding to us abiding in him, that it is simple choices of faith to depend on Jesus, just like you depended on him to save you, that is where the Christian life began. Now we depend on him to think right, to speak right, to do right, and uh, so forth and so on. Okay, so that's how we abide in him. But I thought, how, how, do, how does the second part of this work? In fact, I was really chewing on the words of verse 4, abide in me and I in you. I thought, okay, now I know how to obey the abide in me. That's faith, which is not a work. It's dependence upon the worker. But how do I obey the I in you? <laughs> and then, it's amazing because God uses, just like he has chosen to use the foolishness of preaching, books are often printed preaching. And God used a little tiny book called The True Vine by a guy named Andrew Murray. <laughs> to open up the I in you. Our responsibility is to abide in him, and when you do, he does abide in you. Ah, and I begin to see it, wait a second. When you abide in him, you're depending on him, then now he imparts his life to you, he enables you, that's him abiding in you. 
in John 6. Several meetings ago, uh, we looked at John 6, true bread from heaven. Uh, there the imagery is food, but the word abide is in that chapter too, and it really helps us. You know, how many of you ate today? All right, <laughs> looks like everybody. You know, why did you eat? Because I like it. Well, I get that. But ultimately, why did you eat? Because you had to. I mean, you can fast for a couple of days, but you can't fast forever. <laughs> why do we eat? Because we are dependent upon that food. And when we put food in our mouth today, chewed it and swallowed it, that's dependence. It's abiding in the food. Now, we have to make that choice. Pretty easy choice. But we do have to make the choice to put the food in our mouth, chew it, and swallow it. But once that choice is made, as we depend on the food, you know what's automatic? The food starts nourishing. See, we're responsible to depend on the food, but once we do, the food starts nourishing us. And in the picture in John 6, Jesus is the true bread as we depend on him. That's a choice you and I are responsible to make. It's not a work, it's dependence upon the worker. But when we do, he, the true bread, then begins to nourish us. He imparts his life to us. The spirit of Jesus takes the life of Jesus in us and animates our personality. And we experience his patience and his love and his purity and his power. You see, that's Christ abiding in us. So us abiding in him, that's faith. Him abiding in us, that's grace. You see, we abide in him through God dependence. He abides in us through spirit enablement. <laughs> ah, and when you connect those truths, God dependence for spirit enablement, when that explodes in your heart, you'll see those truths all over the word of God. They're everywhere. Stated differently, same concept. God dependence accesses spirit enablement. In other words, when you abide in Christ, he abides in you. And friends, when he abides in you, it's I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. See, that's what that is. When he abides in you, it's as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I labored, referring to the gospel, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. See, that's the spirit of grace imparting to you the very life of Christ, empowering you for service. So whether it's sanctification, Christ in you to you, or service, Christ in you through you to others. All of that is Jesus abiding in you. But the wording in our text in verse 7 doesn't say Christ. It says, and my words abide in you. But it's obviously parallel because the first part's the same. Abide in Christ. So why the difference in wording? Well, this is beautiful when we begin to understand it. The first abiding is what? Faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the there it is. That's your term rhema, the specific word, the words, words. Oh, and my words abide in you. You see, we have no access to the Spirit apart from faith, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So there it is. When we depend on Jesus, it's always based on truth. Words! And so when we depend on Him, He enables us according to the words we're depending on, according to the truth we're depending on. Sometimes it's just the character of God, but how do you know that? It's somewhere in the Bible. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the specific word. That's why we need this book. 
See, this is the food. It's more than the menu. <laughs> but it's getting to the person. But how do you get there? Faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Your dependence is upon the person, but the basis for that is truth. Specific truth, the specific words, the rhema of God. And so there it is. When we abide in Christ, he abides in us. How does he do that? It's based on words because you're depending on him based on truth, and therefore he's enabling you based on truth. So there's that beautiful combination of the word and the spirit. You see, when the spirit stirs you with words, look at this truth. That's exactly where you are right now. You've been crying out to me. Here's my answer to you. Trust me, based on these truths. These words, this truth. And when the Spirit does that, guess what's happening? The living word. <laughs> it's God speaking to you. It's no longer just academic reading the black words or red words on the white page. No, it's God speaking to you. That's the Spirit. And friends, when the Spirit speaks, that means you can trust. Because anything that God initiates, He's telling you, this is my will for you. It is God that worketh in you, Philippians 2.13, both to will, faith response, and to do, faith enablement, a grace enablement of his good pleasure. But see, it all starts with God. God's got to stir us. It's not a matter of, ah, oh, let me try this one. <laughs> but when the Spirit of God stirs you, hey, trust me for this one. Okay, now it's the will of God. You don't have to wonder, wonder about it, the will of God anymore. No, when the Spirit of God stirs you, trust me based on this truth, he's telling you, this is my will. And when you have a faith response to his will, God makes it very clear in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, when it's according to his will, it's going to happen. And God brings it to pass according to, of course, his will. And so all of this, the words coming alive is the living word. It's Jesus. So that we abide in him by faith, based on words. He abides in us through grace, based on words. Here's the combination of the Word and the Spirit. So there's abiding. Now we come to the second factor tonight, and that's asking. And the key to this is what we just looked at. If we're abiding in Him so that He's abiding in us, that's when He says, ask whatever you want. Wow. Now the key to that is the first two phrases. Because when you abide in Christ and he abides in you, it's I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Let me word it this way. It's I pray, yet not I, but Christ praying in me. Now, friends, when you are in tune with the indwelling Jesus, your prayer is going to be right. <laughs> and when, when you're in tune with him, so that it's not I, but Christ, you can ask whatever you want because it's what he wants. Hallelujah. There it is. See, that's praying in the Spirit. That is what Pastor Nick read tonight from Ephesians. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You see, it is the abiding life. Therefore, you're praying in tune with the Spirit. Which means you're praying according to God's will. Now, sometimes a need comes up, and in our humanity, we're thinking, okay, and we start asking this, but the Spirit says, no, you're not quite on. But because you are abiding with those groanings which cannot be uttered, Romans 8, 26, he moves and stirs in your heart to line your prayer up with what he does want to do. 
See, when Paul first started asking for God to heal him of that eye issue, whatever the deal was, it's not that he was praying in the flesh. He was praying the best he understood, and God had to correct him and say, you know, that's not what I want. I want this so there can be a demonstration of me in your life in a way that will help you. Okay, so there are certain times you can be, just because uh, God has to correct our prayer doesn't mean we are praying in the flesh. Now, we can pray in the flesh. We can just, you know, try to shove our will on God. I, I get that. But when you are walking in the spirit and a need comes up and, you know, humanly we're thinking, well, this is obviously what we would want. And we start praying this. Sometimes there'll be no witness of the spirit inside and the Holy Spirit will say, you know what? I understand why you're asking that, but that's not what I want to do here. Here's what I want to do. And he begins to line your prayer. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting where you started, even, even personally or corporately, where you started praying this and you ended up praying this? That's because you were abiding. How did you get from here to here? It's because the Holy Spirit was, he's working. You're abiding in him, he's abiding in you. You don't got to quiet right here, let me get you where you need to be. <laughs> and so you start off with this, but you end up praying this because you weren't quite on with what the will of God is for the situation. And so God stirs you and moves you and gets you over here so that he can answer. And it's because you were abiding that he actually moved you in your prayer to the right point so that he could answer. Otherwise, if we're just trying to shove our will on God, that's when God says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, as it says over there in James 4. Wow. When you're abiding in Christ and he's abiding in you, based on truth, you can ask whatever you want. Why? Because it's going to be what he wants and if there's something that's not quite on, he's going to get you there because you're looking to him, you're trusting in him, you are abiding, and he's going to get you on track. And friends, once you're on track, <laughs> it's a done deal. Somebody asked Charlie Kittrell one time, he was teaching a course on prayer, a module, <laughs> and one of the students said, Pastor Kittrell, does God ever say no to you? <laughs> he looked over at his wife and said, honey, God ever said no to us? <laughs> it's incredible. He looked back at the student and said, you know, when you're abiding, God leads you to pray the right thing. Now, it may take a little bit of time to get there, as I'm trying to describe here, because sometimes we don't quite get it all, but if you're looking to him, he will guide you. But once you land on that, there'll be that witness of the Spirit. When that's the case, you can ask whatever you want. See, because now you're asking right that's the point. Wow. You know, this is real, folks. It's not just big things in life. It's far more the little things. It's the daily stuff. And God leads. In very sometimes small matters, but they're not small because God cares about it all. And you see the hand of God. There's a little book called... Uh, a Present Help, it's been republished. It's by a lady by the name of Marie Monson. She was a missionary from Norway to China uh, back in the 1930s. And all it is is answers to prayer <laughs> based on abiding. <laughs> um, and it's just sweet. She said God woke her up in the night one night. And, you know, sometimes you wake up and you're kind of half in and half out. This was one of those wake-ups where you were com she was completely alert. And the words of Zechariah 2.5 were immediately rolling across her brain where God says, 
I will be unto you a protective wall of fire. And she said it was so vivid and so real, she, you know, there's just that warmth that God just spoke to me. But she was puzzled because she wasn't in any danger that she knew of. And then it occurred to you, you know what? God's telling me ahead of time I'm going to be in danger and that it's going to be okay because he just told me I will be unto you a protective wall of fire. And sure enough, within days, she was in tremendous danger, told not to go to the city, told that every person that takes that route uh, has been robbed. We haven't even seen them again. And she went with peace and got some driver that was willing to take her. And uh, she made it without a glitch. Why? Because God had told her. Now, do you know, sometimes it's just very practical things. Those are kind of like the bigger stories that make it into books. But most of this truth is played out in the stuff that doesn't make it into books. That's where real life happens. I remember one time, uh, my son, I think, was turning 11. This was about a decade ago, and we had come into our home uh, there in uh, Michigan, and, and so uh, his birthday was in June, and so we set up this birthday party. He wanted to have a party uh, where... Uh, uh, some of the boys from the church could come over and they could have a Nerf gun war. That is really cool when your kids get old enough to get into toys that you like. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, we uh, have about, you know, about a, uh, an acre and a quarter of property. And, and so we thought, well, this would be cool, you know. And so we invited the boys and whatever. Well, we woke up that morning and it was raining. And it, I could tell it wasn't one of those just blow on by kind of rains. It looked like a set in rain. So I did what we now do in modern times. I looked at my weather app. <laughs> And it said 9 o'clock, 100%, 10 o'clock, 100%, 11 o'clock, 100%, 12 o'clock, 100%, 1 o'clock, 90%. Oh, that was an encouragement. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, so, I mean, it, it's going to rain. So I'm thinking, all right, we're going to have to shift gears here. So I'm trying to explain to my son when he got up, hey, uh, it's raining today, and so uh, we'll do something inside, use the basement. Well, 11-year-olds, they, they don't understand that. He was distressed. And I'm trying to explain he's distressed, and that still small voice the Holy Spirit spoke to me just like he speaks to you. <laughs> you know, you could ask me to stop the rain. You know, my first response was, uh, but the weather app. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and he says again to me, you can ask me to stop the rain. So this isn't me trying to be sensational. This is one of, I mean, I'm not thinking, you know, we're going to have this great prayer meeting, you know, and, uh, you know, see the clouds split and, you know, whatever. I'm just thinking, and, and, and God's telling me this, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, what if I pray and then nothing happens? <laughs> As if I'm concerned for the reputation of God. <laughs> and it got to the point where I knew that if I did not ask God to stop the rain, that I would be disobeying. Now, the Holy Spirit's the convincer. That's not a feeling, that's a knowing. I'll be honest with you, I didn't have any great feelings. I just knew, knew that I was going to be disobedient. See, the Spirit bears witness with your spirit. That's not a feeling on the soul level. It's a knowing on the spirit-to-spirit -spirit level. It's deeper. And so I knew I was going to be disobedient if I didn't pray. So I prayed, and I mean, you know, it's not like I, I did anything dramatic. And there was nothing dramatic that happened at the moment that I prayed, but within 30 minutes, long before the boys got there, it stopped raining. Sun even came out. And it was beautiful all day long. And then when the boys leave, it starts raining. 
<laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? God did that. And it wasn't like I had this great, you know, feeling of faith. You know, it's just, God said, you know, you can ask me about the rain. You see, when God stirs you, it's because he wants to do it. And sometimes we don't know what God wants, so we can just go to God and say, what do you want? And so, the truth is, when we abide in him, he abides in us. And when that happens, you can ask whatever you want because it's what he wants. Isn't that beautiful? See, this is based on him. And then you come to the last part of this. After there's the abiding and the asking, there's the answers. <laughs> it's so simple. And it will be done for you. Wow. And it will be done. And it will be done. You see, when God stirs you because you're looking to him, you're abiding in him, it's his will. Which means if faith responds, because God makes the economy of grace dependent upon the faith response, God does some things in his sovereign wisdom. There's other things that demand our faith response. But it's a response to him. It's responding to his. See, this is not name it and claim it. That's leaving God out of the first part of this. It's when God stirs you, so there's that sense where he's naming it. Now you can claim it. And so when that's the case, it will be done. I remember uh, when we used to have these NET seminars, NETcasters Evangelistic Training Seminars. We have a course on uh, uh, witnessing. Uh, really, it's, the, it's a course on the spirit for life, I should say, applied to witnessing. Uh, but at any rate, we were in a module set up, and uh, we always have a prayer time before we go out. Why? Because we need God. <laughs> And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So we would stop, and we would pray, and we would call on God. Well, uh, we, uh, we had three-person teams, three-person double-gender teams is how we did that uh, for the sake of training and some other reasons. And so on my team, I had two college kids, and there was a college girl, and she had never, never yet led a soul to Christ. Well, that's, you know, I understand that. And so that's just where she was. And so uh, she was nervous as all get out. So the first day, you know, I'm out, and, and we prayed, and we call on God, and God you know, led and, and blessed and so forth. And then the second day, uh, I start it and I shift the conversation over to them. And then when they panic and forget, then they shift it back to me. And so we, we do that the second day. And then the third day, it's supposed to be them. So it was the girl's turn. It was the third day. She was petrified. <laughs> but man, we prayed. <laughs> well, she prayed. <laughs> I mean, she called on the name of the Lord. Uh, Lord, I can't do this. I need you. Well, she's abiding. She's depending. And uh, we went out, we were in a big city setting, and uh, the Lord, uh, we were on the street, and we saw two teenagers walking on the street. She's college age. I said, hey, you can talk to them if you want. And we had a little pamphlet that we use that uh, if, uh, if, you haven't, uh, if you haven't memorized things, you can just use the pamphlet and so on, so that's fine. And so it's meant for you to kind of fill it in as you go through it, but she just was awkwardly... <laughs> reading this, this gospel track uh, to these teenagers very awkwardly. And uh, teenagers were as patient as all get out. See, God knows. God knew what she needed. God knew their need of Jesus. He knew her need of some kids that wouldn't laugh at her and mock her and so forth. Two sweet teenagers. Brother, sister. And so she walked them through the gospel in her petrified voice awkwardly reading through it they're answering yes yes or no you know whatever the kid you know what we get to the uh, invitation part of it are you willing to trust jesus right now they said yes <laughs> 
They both prayed, calling on the Lord to save them. You know what happened to that college girl? Her faith was built. She knew that wasn't the power of her. She knew that was the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, they got saved and she got lit up. You know, the next summer, she was on a missions trip for the summer in the Philippines, and God used her to lead several hundred people to Christ. You know, friends, when we abide, he abides. When he abides, you can ask what you want because it's what he wants, and when it's what he wants, it will be done. See, that's how this works. His words come alive. He's saying, trust me. You ask, because now it's according to his will. And of course, God answers. Yeah, there's the big stories, but there's often just the little things. Lord, I don't have my Tylenol with me. Would you take this headache away? Because he gave you the freedom to ask it. And he does. And it hits you an hour later. You know what? That headache's gone. <laughs> or whatever. You see, it's abiding. It's asking, it's answers. Now, in our individual lives, in our families, and in the church family, this is beautiful. Because God becomes demonstrably real. And so the new Christians, and the young people, and the children are realizing, wow, look at this. At my home church growing up, I remember when Dad started taking me to the Saturday morning men's prayer breakfast. It was just a, a time he had with the men where he would teach, and then they would pray. And I'm going to tell you, at first I just went because Dad made me, but then I began to realize, whoa, these guys know how to pray. I mean, these were regular guys. I mean, construction workers, all sorts of stuff, you know, uh, executives, everything, you know, the whole gamut. And these guys knew how to pray. And we see the answers. And uh, whenever there was a man that got saved, we, as, as soon as possible, we got the new convert into the prayer meeting. Why? Because in Acts 4, the 3,000 that got saved went on for God. And one of the things that's mentioned is prayers in the plural, which is a public prayer meeting. And we get the new converts in there, and they'd hear these men call on the Lord, sometimes weep, and cry out to God and get answers the next week or the next week, or sometimes months later, but whatever. They'd see God work, and all of a sudden you hear that new convert lift his voice. You see, his faith is being built. It's real. It's powerful. That's what we need. So, let's let the truth of abiding guide us to asking and therefore to answers. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for the simple truth of John 15 and in particular John 15, 7 in this amazing context. Oh, Lord, such a beautiful thing. Faith. Simple dependence upon you. Sometimes we desperately feel it. Other times we just know we need you. But in both cases, it's God's God dependence. Lord, so that there's spirit enabling and you abide in us. So that in the moments of prayer we ask, you guiding us to ask aright so that there's answers and it will be done. Lord, I pray that in the next hours and days weeks months even this year of 2022 that the individuals here the families represented here and this church family would be able to record and testify abiding asking and answers
that brings glory to you and even the byproduct of much fruit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.